you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. All right, let's get into the Word for a few minutes. I actually, I kind of need to finish this teaching up today. So we're going to do, I don't want to hear the chuckling out there. This is, this is not funny because we've got, you know, it's December. We've got stuff coming up that we need to get to. And um, so this section of this teaching we have been on uh, is we've been talking about, we're just going to do this really quick, very little um, review. If you haven't been here, go online, go to rmcmchurch.org and pick it up, okay? We're talking about stewardship, right? We've discovered in the scripture that the Bible says over in, uh, that is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, that, well, that isn't, but what I have is, that's, that faithfulness is the essential quality that the Lord looks for in stewards, people who care for his stuff while we're here, right? You guys, we've talked about that for weeks. That is the essential quality, faithfulness, which means being steadfast in allegiance and loyalty, firm adherence to promises or keeping of one's word, firm adherence and timely fulfillment of duty. Basically, it means you show yourself to be reliable. You do what you said you do, you're faithful, okay? So what we discovered, what we've been talking about is that faithfulness runs with this group of characteristics that we've been talking about. So stewardship requires faithfulness, right? And we found that faithfulness requires integrity, all right? Integrity means we are honest, It means we live by our convictions. Our outward life is congruent with our convictions. We looked at a lot of scriptures. Some of them are up here. Take a picture of it if you want, if you weren't here. We looked at some of the things the Bible says about what integrity brings into our life. It's a really powerful quality. So so again, basically, stewardship requires faithfulness. Faithfulness requires integrity. Integrity requires commitment. And we talked last week, I think, about commitment, all right, and what it is. It mean, it's the quality of character that motivates us to carry out a promise or obligation without hesitation, without reservation. When you're committed to something, you do it. You don't waver. You don't get pushed off. You don't get lured off. You don't get distracted. You're committed. You do, again, you do what you said you would do, what you committed to do. All right, our, our lives are not just flaky. They're not just floating around. We're not just wavering from one thing to another, opinion to opinion, opportunity to opportunity. Oh, well, I don't want to commit because maybe something more fun will come along between now and then. We don't live like that, okay? Faithful stewards don't live like that. And uh, one of the most important things I think we talked about last week was commitment to one belief or course of action, all right, will almost inevitably mean you have to let go of some other opportunity, course of action, belief that will interfere 
with what you have committed to. Does that make sense? We commit to one thing, we can't do everything. You got to let go of some things if you're going to walk a committed life. All right, we talked a lot about that last week. So, where are we? Stewardship requires faithfulness. Thank you. Faithfulness requires integrity. Integrity requires commitment. Commitment requires, anybody have a guess? This is fun. (laughs) Sacrifice. Oh boy. Oh good. I've been waiting for weeks for you to get to get to sacrifice, Pastor. That's yeah. Okay, this is the truth. Commitment, and I I just stated it a different way. Commitment to one thing means you're gonna have to let go of some other things. Always. You commit to a marriage, you better let go of your old boyfriends or girlfriends. Okay? That sounds silly, but we have known people who got married and believed, they actually believed, oh, it's okay. I, I can keep up the same level of friendship. I can go off on long weekends with one of my old boyfriends or girlfriends. Oh, we're just out mountain biking. Yeah, maybe this week. We're, we're, we had one girl that believed. We sat and talked to her about it, tried to talk her out of it, that, that she could keep a level of, uh, of, of relationship with guys to the point she's going to the bar and dancing with them while her husband stays home. Oh, no problem. Okay. Then pretty soon it was, it's no problem just to have a little kiss. I am not kidding you. This is a discussion I've had with people. Okay. Oh, it's okay just to do this. Guess what? They're divorced. She got into adultery. They're divorced. It doesn't work. You commit to one thing. We've had a lot of people, and this is hard. It's hard. We've almost all, if you're an adult, you've experienced that transition from having all your high school or college friends, and they start to get married, and you don't get to hang out with them as much. That's as it should be, because they're committing to the most important relationship aside from Christ in their life. Commitment requires sacrifice. We can't do everything. We're not talking about sacrifice for sin, right? We're not trying to do something to make up for our sin. Jesus did that. Okay, that's done. We're talking about being willing to let go of things that will take us out of that place of commitment and integrity and faithfulness, okay, in our life. Does that make sense to you? All right. So you're, it is the willingness to give up or lay aside something of value in order to attend to a higher priority or gain something of greater value. Okay, so we're laying aside. Not we're, This isn't, it's not a sacrifice when you have to stop eating broccoli, Okay. That's not a sacrifice. Might be for some of you. Ingrid's over here. Could be. But, you know, but I'm talking about sometimes we've got to lay aside the good to take hold of the best. Okay? It's a biblical principle. We'll read it in just a second. Romans 12.1 tells us, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What does that mean? It doesn't mean God's going to beat on our bodies. It means that we are offering our whole being to the Lord and we are setting aside whatever else. We're putting our life on the altar. Lord, it belongs to you. Do with it what you will. 
Okay, so you, and, and don't, don't get this wrong. I'm not saying you can't have a life. No, we should have a life. We should be involved with people and with many, many things. We should be out there in the community doing things. We should be, you don't have to let go of everything, but there will be things that you can't participate in anymore or that you can't, uh, you know, you just don't have the time for because you have a set of priorities that you're living by and Jesus comes first, okay? So sometimes we have to let, let go of things and not just for our relationship with God. It's true of a marriage. It's true of a good friendship, true of a business relationship. If we're going to be committed, we're probably going to have to let go of things. All true commitment requires some sacrifice. Okay, does that make sense to you? Okay, the Lord will ask you, and this is an important part of this, to lay aside anything that becomes an idol in your heart. All right, Scripture talks to us back in Ezekiel. There's a group of leaders that came, and Ezekiel's talking to them, and, and the Lord told them, well, they've got, the, they've got idols in their hearts. And what that is is something that you are hanging on to. It's usually a good thing but it has become more important to you than the Lord. And the Lord will often deal with those and call you to lay that aside. Over there in Ezekiel, it's quite a passage. It says that when a prophet speaks to somebody who has an idol in their heart, they've got something in them that's more important than the Lord. And a lot of times they want prayer. Let's just bring this into our context. They want prayer for that thing. Pray for me that I'd get a husband. Pray for me that I'd get a wife. And there's nothing wrong with that unless it's an idol in their heart. And what you will notice is people, what it, what it says in Ezekiel is prophecies will come to those people according to the idol in their heart, not according to the word of God and the will of God for their life. I can't say I understand all of that, but I've seen it in action. I've seen situations where people were so caught up they, they, you know, and a lot of times it has. It's been young people wanting to be married and, and they're wanting a spouse. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's God's plan. That's good. But they get so caught up in it that it's the only thing they're thinking about. Sometimes it's a business. Sometimes it's a thing. But it's something that they get so caught in, up in. It's all they're thinking about. And man, all of a sudden they start getting words from people confirming the idol in their heart. And they're not from God. So it's a dangerous place to be. If, if there's something that grows in your heart and it's something you want, you desire, you know, turn it over to the Lord. He wants the best for you. He wants you to have good things. He wants you to have great relationships. But we've got to be careful about that issue. We, had a, we knew some people that were musicians and they had a wonderful ministry and they went on to have a wonderful ministry. But for a time in their life, the Lord, I think it was a year had them lay down their instruments. Well, they were musicians and they were gifted in leading people in worship. They were awesome. They were, they were gifted. They were anointing, anointed. But that was getting that, I don't know if popularity is the right word, that pull, that being on stage, that was getting bigger in them than worshiping the Lord in their call. And so God said, I want you to lay your instruments down for a year. And they did. To their credit, they did. And when they picked them back up, they had worked their way through all of that. And man, they went on to just have a tremendous ministry. We've, we've seen a number of examples of this. But there are, there are times where 
the Lord will ask us to lay down something good, whether it's permanently or just part of the time, lay down something good to take hold of the best that he has for us. Okay? Does this make sense to you? Okay. So basically, if we're not ready to sacrifice for some some of who we are, what we've got, what we've done for something, then we're probably not ready for the responsibility that comes with that blessing. The example I just used is a good one. If, if you're not ready to begin to enter into a marriage covenant and lay down your lives for one another and become one flesh and have that other than Jesus become the very most important relationship in your life. If you're not ready to do that, then don't get married. Okay, because that's what marriage is. All right. Marriage is a beautiful thing. It is a picture. It is a picture of Jesus and the church and the relationship that he has for the church. It's a it's a God thing. It is it is something God invented. There is an anointing on it. It's it's a tremendously fulfilling relationship. But we have to, if we're going to make that commitment, then we need to make a commitment. And the Lord will help you keep the commitment. I'm not, you know, we don't have to have it all together. There's nobody, especially if you're young at all, there's nobody who gets married. We all go into it not knowing what's going to happen. We have to do it by faith, okay? We go into that marriage, we go into that marriage by faith and walk with God through it. But there are decisions we make, okay? If, uh, you know, I mean, there are just so many examples that, you know, if you're not, this really ticks people off, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're not ready to give yourself to raising children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to providing an environment in your house. Not say, none of this is saying we got to be perfect. Okay, that's a huge responsibility. But if you are not ready to, you know, maybe change your work life, maybe change some of your recreation life, give up some things to focus on raising children, please don't have children. Please, please don't. Is everybody okay? No, we're not okay. Please don't, because then we all have to deal with that mess, okay? We've got to understand that walking in God, there are commitments that we make, and we've got to be able to let things go. But grace, you say, well, what about grace? Grace empowers us to do the right thing. Grace empowers us. God fills those places with his ability to be a great husband or wife, to be a great parent, you know, whatever it might be. But we've, we've got to be ready. There have been things in my life that, that Karen and I have made a lot of decisions. This is bringing this down a level, okay, so everybody can take a breath. There are things in our lives just, you know, we love to be outdoors. We love to do recreational things. We love to mountain bike and hike and cross-country ski and stuff. There have been many things along the way that we chose not to do. Rock climbing is one I can think of. Would have loved to learn rock climbing. But it just was going to take too much time. Karen wasn't into it. So she doesn't like to get more than this high off the ground. So so it was going to be something I did on my own. And we each have individual things that we do on our own and all that. But we have intentionally along the way said either, no, that's, that's going to require so much time. It's, it's really going to pull us 
We won't be able to give the attention to our call that we need. So that's one thing. And we don't want to have so many of those things that we do individually that we aren't doing things together. We're married. We want to be best friends. We want to do things together. So we've made those decisions. And there are things we just didn't do. You can't do everything. You can't be everywhere. You can't go everywhere. You can't have everything. I'm sorry if nobody's ever told you before. I'm telling you today. You know, this is the way it is. So Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. We all love this verse. It's on everybody's refrigerator. Deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what does it profit a man that he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? So basically what that is saying is, you know, denying yourself doesn't mean beating on yourself. It doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It means I'm not in charge. I'm not first in my life. The Lord is first. Other people, my wife comes before me, my kids come before me. You know, it's just taking that attitude that, that I'm laying down my life. And God fills that with grace. God fills that with blessing. You're not losing anything. But if instead we try to hang on, I can be everything, I can do everything, I'm, you know, I, I can do all this, those lives, we watch them, they end up deteriorating and shattering. He's basically saying, you've got to let go of this low life that's just all about the natural stuff to take hold of the fullness of eternal life. I always see it as a trapeze, you know. I don't know how they learn that. I don't know how they do that. But you got to let go of the one to take hold of the other, you know, or you're going to be like this, I guess. But, you know, it's, it's if you want your arms in your socket, you've got to, you've got to let go of the one to grab the other. It's just, to me, it's just a picture. It's like, so, so we've got to be, it doesn't mean you can't have anything. doesn't mean you can't be involved. You can't have a great life. doesn't mean that. This is a hard attitude that we've got to have. I'm willing to let go of stuff. Lord, what do you have for me? He has the best life for us. He has the best abundant life for us. Okay. So let's just move on because I only have time to get into this. I've got 10 more minutes. I can do this. All right. So here we go. Stewardship requires faithfulness. I got a lot more I could say about sacrifice, but you probably get it. All right. Stewardship requires faithfulness. Faithfulness requires integrity. Integrity requires commitment. Commitment requires sacrifice. And sacrifice requires another fun thing, discipline. Okay. Discipline. We've been having fun for weeks on this. We're, we're growing the church on this message. I see that this morning. I'm just kidding. I think it's been great. Um, discipline. We're mainly talking, we're not talking about getting beaten up. Okay, we're talking about discipline. We've got to have disciplines in our life. Okay, if we're going to be committed people, if we're going to be faithful people, if we're going to walk in integrity, you're going to have to add some disciplines to your life. You've got to have things. That means these are, and I, so we're mainly talking about self-discipline here. Okay, the definition is um, the exercise of self-regulation or self-control, which, by the way, is a fruit of the Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit grows self-control in us as we connect with Jesus, all right? So this is actually a part of, 
Isn't that interesting that self-control is a part of God's nature? I guess it is. Or we would be a ball of fire, wouldn't we? Anyway, sorry. Um, So the exercise of self-regulation or self-control that promotes a strong, vigorous, healthy, physical, emotional, spiritual life. All right? It is the purposeful training of the flesh and the mind that brings us into subjection and conformity to the will of God. The purposeful training of the flesh and the mind. On purpose, we discipline our thought life. We don't let, and I'm telling you, a lot of people don't know this is possible. A lot of people, our culture spews it all the time. Your emotions are in charge. If you're going to be, remember when we talked about integrity, we said that hypocrisy is living according to your emotions instead of living according to your convictions. It is, if you feel it, well, you just got to do it. Doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Doesn't matter what. If you feel it, you got to say it. If you feel it, otherwise you're not being true to yourself. Well, probably the last thing we want to do is be true to ourselves. But the, the, the idea is, you know, we can discipline our thought life. The will your soul is made up of the mind, the emotions, and the will. Okay? Your spirit is, got born again. When you gave your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came to live in your spirit. Now God is dealing in a process of rebuilding your, your soul, which is your mind, your emotions, and your will. Your will, the, what you choose, is the strongest part of your soul. And what our, what our culture says is, no, the mind is the strongest part of the soul. Or your emotions, your feelings, those should be just let run wild. No, we're supposed to use our will to bring our mind and our emotions into subjection to the Lord and his words. Does this make sense to you? So we can choose. This actually works. This is very practical. If you continue to think about something that you want or a direction you want to go and you know it's not the direction God wants you to go, you'll end up going that way. We need to, the Bible says, set your mind on Christ and set your mind on where he is seated at the right hand of God. Set your focus. We are, the Bible tells us to meditate the word of God, to revolve it in the mind, to speak it aloud to ourselves, to have it in the very center of our heart and our mind, to keep it in the center Okay, and that that's a discipline that we build into our life. And it's very practical. We spend time early in the day is preferable, according to the Bible, early in the day to spend some time with the Lord and in his word. It shapes our day. It sets our course. It sets and and we choose intentionally when when there's a scripture that stands out to me, I will Write that down. I'll take a picture of it. However we would do it today, get that verse, take it with you. And throughout the day, take just a little bit of time, not talking about hours, we're talking about minutes here, and meditate that verse. Think on it. Chew on it. Okay? It'll change your thinking on the inside. And here's something we were talking about, I don't know, a week or two ago. We were talking about how your thought life and even your feelings, your mind and your emotions, will follow the choice of your will. It may take a little while, but they will. Your will is stronger. 
And, it, and some of us have not learned to use our will. We've learned to use our will in some other ways, maybe. But uh, we need to be willful with our mind and our emotions. And, and our feelings, our desires will actually change as we choose what we're going to think on. And what you choose, you will choose. This kind of works both ways. You will choose what you focus on. Okay? So this has to be intentional. Is this making sense? You'll choose what you focus on. Your heart will follow after your choice. But it's a discipline in life to do that because you're, you've probably, if you're like me, you grew up thinking that, you know, your, your emotions should be in charge, whatever should be in charge, something else should be in charge. And these processes that the Lord gives us about meditating the word of God, about setting our heart on him, you need to do this in a practical way. And, and what's going to happen is you'll set your mind back on, I've been worrying about this. We'll just use this example. I've been worrying about this over here. But the word of God says he will meet all my needs or he will give me peace or whatever it might be. He's given us healing, whatever it might be. And so I take hold of that word. And I begin to meditate that word. And I begin to take that scripture and roll it around the inside of me and my emotions and my thoughts come back and that's good. And then pretty soon I'm going down the road and all of a sudden I'm thinking about that again. This is the way it works. Don't worry about it. Don't ever stop because of a failure. Don't stop doing the wrong thing. Just get up and go, oh no, brain. No, you're not going there because this is not what the word of God says. I'm bringing it back to what the word of God says. Why? Because the word of, that thing may be a fact, but it's not truth, okay? Get a bear, put it on, <laughs> listen to the word of God. But I mean, this is just a discipline that brings us to a great place of faith. It brings us to walking in the grace of God. It's just extremely practical, but a lot of us, we don't, you know, we grow up, we, we, don't, we think of discipline as a negative thing, but having disciplines in our life. You know, um, Paul said, here, let me just give you a few verses, okay? Um, this is from the Passion Translation. We read it a couple of weeks ago uh, in, in its whole context, but this is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, says, A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers. But we run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever. I love that. A true athlete okay, will be disciplined in every aspect. And one of the wonderful things to me about discipline is when I discipline myself in one area, it spreads. It gets easier to be disciplined in other areas. You can discipline yourself to have some time and whatever you want, in the gym, to go for a walk, to eat better, whatever it is. And I would say, just again, practical matter, don't start with the biggest thing in your life. Start building discipline small. Just start. Just start. Whatever it might be, even if it's, well, I need to eat better. Take one, one place, Okay. Don't make it a New Year's resolution deal. I'm going to change everything, you know. Lasts about 15 minutes, you know. No, just take a little spot. The Lord will help you. He'll identify something. 
and begin to discipline that place. And then once that's a habit, then discipline another place. And it can be physical or it can be, it's really important with our thought life. If you have an undisciplined thought life, your life will go like this. You know, it, it just will. And you'll wonder why you're not experiencing more of the blessing of God. Let me give you a couple more verses. You ready for that? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 3. This is from the Amplified Bible. Proverbs 1, 3 says, Receive instruction in wise dealing. I love that. In wise dealing and the discipline of wise thoughtfulness, righteousness, justice, and integrity. Receive instruction in wise dealing and the discipline of wise thoughtfulness. Listen to this one. Proverbs 1, verse 7 then says, The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning and the principle and the choice part of knowledge. Okay, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the principle, choice part of knowledge. We all want that, okay? That is its starting point and its essence. But fools despise skillful and godly wisdom, instruction, and discipline. You go through the book of Proverbs, it says a lot about discipline. It's not mean. It's not, oh, it's going to ruin my life. Oh, I can't do anything. It's none of that. It's without discipline. It'll be real hard for us to receive God's wisdom. It says fools there. It doesn't mean stupid people. Fools in Proverbs means somebody who, it says, the fool says there is no God. So it's people who are not following God, a mindset of not following God, not believing in God. They reject discipline and instruction. Okay? They just want to do their own thing. I mean, we see that. We see that in the world. That's This is called making Jesus Lord, you know? So, it, you know, you, you just want to commit yourself to hearing and meditating and applying the word. And again, start small. God will walk with you through it. You know, just just start, but start small. You want to train yourself in small things. You don't let temporary failure, failures stop you, okay? And I'll, I'll give you one more verse, and then we'll just call it for today. There's, again, a lot more we could say about this. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. Deuteronomy 30. 19 and 20 says, I call heaven and earth to witness this day against you that I have, God has set before you life and death, blessing and curses. So he says, he's saying here, I'm committed so that you will know the root for blessing, the root of life, you know, life and death, blessing and cursing. I've said it before. I've made it plain. He says, therefore, choose life, choose life. It's just so amazing. God lays all this out. He gives us the word. He gives us Jesus. He gives us the Holy Spirit. But then he still leaves it to us to choose life. Choose the way of life. He says, so that you and your descendants may live and may love the Lord your God and obey his voice and cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So we all have choices to make every day. And if we just want to make this simple, we're thinking about things. We want to be good stewards. We want to walk in faithfulness and integrity and all these things. Okay, when there's something before you, choose life. Should I stay up later or should I go... Go to bed so I don't sleep through Pastor John's message. Choose life, okay? Should I, you know, should I, there are just so many, you know. Should I 
act even to my own hurt? Should I keep my word here? Choose life, right? Whatever it is along the way, which, which option that's before you has more life? Should I use my time this way? Should I use it that way? Choose life. And if we'll just make those little, they're just little choices when we make them, they will shape a life of just amazing fulfillment and, and power and life in Christ. But we have to do them. We got to be disciplined in life. Okay, did you live through that? All right, those of you who made it through the last five or six weeks, we've been talking about this, congratulations. So, these, are, these are not, I love this kind of stuff, honest. I mean, don't, don't come up and tell me it's okay if I preach this because I know I love this kind of teaching from the word, but a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't, and I'm glad you do, okay? I'm assuming that you do. Don't come up and tell me you don't either. Stand, stand up, let's pray together. Did you have a good day today? Yes. All right. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for everything you've done beginning to end in this service. We thank you so much for your care for us. We thank you that you have an abundant life for every one of us, Lord. And Father, we receive your instruction. We choose today. We will receive your instruction, your wisdom. Show us individually, Holy Spirit, how to walk through the issues of our individual lives and to do it, to be good stewards of what Jesus, you have put in our hands. We thank you for it. We trust you in it. And Father, we just look forward to your blessing coming upon us and overtaking us and flowing through us to others around us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So talk to Jamie about the bears. Eat some snacks. Uh, if you want to, come back in here in about 10, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, and we'll... Uh, debrief a little bit about Friday night. We'd really appreciate that. All right. We need your thoughts. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.